welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is hemal bariani from exponential equity welcome hemal thank you rama excited to be here and thank you for inviting me to this uh, interaction Thank you. A little bit about Hemal. After a career in management consulting spanning across three continents, Hemal focused on a career in finance while building on his true passion of real estate investments. Starting with single family rentals in 2018, Hemal quickly pivoted to commercial investment in 2020. His firm Exponential Equity has invested across multiple asset classes in the commercial space through a unique blend of partnerships and syndications. Hemal created Exponential Equity to establish a true vertically integrated commercial real estate company that helps provide financial freedom and tax deductions to busy professionals with that hemal would you like to add anything to your background yeah i mean i just to add to that thank you for the introduction you know i grew up a uh, part of a family of business owners growing up in india and uh, uh, one of my uncles was a real estate investor and developer so a lot of influence and this was truly my uh, calling in terms of building a brand and a business that allows me to focus on what i'm passionate about uh, and now over the last couple of years that uh, going from passive investments to active investments allowed me to that uh, focus to actually build that business and the experience from the management consulting days where i helped other fortune 100 companies build their businesses and scale and bring efficiencies and build systems and processes now i'm kind of turning that back around to actually use those competencies and skills to quickly scale to a, a momentum uh, and a place where we are the premier brand in north carolina for real estate investment that's the desire and the goal Yeah that's cool and why you into multi family side Yeah I mean I graduated like everyone else <laughs> starting with the passive single family investments right well while I was traveling in a consulting gig did my whole 20% down conventional investments um and then as I found myself doing more active stuff around flips it was uh, great uh, to find some creative options in terms of acquiring assets building the skill set of actually interacting with sellers and building a portfolio of assets from that creative domain but quickly realized um just from an investment of time standpoint it wasn't scalable um so this multifamily both passive i invest uh, a lot of my own uh, capital along with the active side uh very co-invest with other folks in syndications it just allows me that freedom to and scalability that uh, one should have when we look at hundreds of apartments at a time so that's why i love commercial real estate uh, is specifically and then multifamily has a special place because it's it's shelter right so it's, a, it's such a core asset that is much needed and building that community uh not just for the financials or the scalability but building a positive impact into a community by renovating it bringing some new things uh, playgrounds swimming pools pet parks and impacting the lives of people living there such a rewarding experience Uh, that only assets like multifamily or residential living can provide so true and thanks for sharing that so you have management consulting experience right earlier so how that experience helping you in multifamily journey 
Yeah, so the way I quickly figured out, I, I have a full-time job. I have twin kids in the COVID environment. So like everyone else, <laughs> challenged with, uh, you know, time, right? So quickly realized that I need to be very ruthless with my time. And uh, the management consulting background was all about problem-solving, resourcefulness, and partnerships, right? And being very patient and focused uh, towards a long-term vision because some of these journeys for Fortune 100 companies could be multi-year. And that's what we've implemented. We've created a very unique blend of strategic partnership uh, with operating partners across multiple asset classes, across multiple markets, and uh, partnerships within our acquisitions teams, our dispositions teams, our operational partners, lenders, etc., that allow us to, with small amounts of my time, uh, allows me to trust and scale at, at a pace that if I was just doing everything individually, it, it wouldn't have materialized. Cool. And what markets you're focusing on? What is the reason? Yeah, so we are in the Southeast. So Carolinas, uh, Georgia, Florida, Louisiana, Alabama, uh, some states in the Midwest, especially Oklahoma, uh, Nebraska, uh, Kansas City, Missouri has been a great city for us, and then Texas. And uh, our focus is mainly into secondary uh, tier two cities or tertiary tier three cities. And, and the main reason is we don't like going into a bidding war with 30 other people trying to outbid us uh, from a broker's investment standpoint. Uh, our position is you typically tend to overpay and too risky given where we are from a market cycle standpoint. So we like to be in places and types of deals that uh, we'll talk about, you know, there's less competition and we really bringing something creative to the table. And then our uh, strategic partnerships with our brokers and direct-to-seller relationships allow us to provide a presence in these markets. So on what kind of properties and what size? So we focus from a multifamily standpoint, we are focused on large scale, uh, typically 100 plus units, uh, multifamily assets. And the reason for the scale is anything about what we found out is anything about 70 plus units allow us to have full-time leasing person, full-time maintenance person. Again, the economies of scale really come to light uh, versus a smaller multifamily 12, 20 unit type of apartment building. Um, so we are focused on 100 plus units for the most part. And then, um, like I mentioned, our opportunities, we don't like the cookie cutter type of assets where it's just turnkey or very light rehab. And again, everybody is focused on the same markets and the same five types of deals. Um, so we look for either distressed assets, for example, which are typically lower occupancy and we can turn them around uh, with investor capital pretty quickly, refinance, stabilize them and refinance them to put in real sweat equity and you know get them uh, turned around at a very high velocity, return the capital for our investors at a very fast pace. Uh, that, those have been our focus. And now we are focusing on other creative stabilized assets such as uh, Section 42 or light tech deals that are coming into the market. So again, our focus is not to outbid uh, on cookie cutter turnkey assets, which most people can take and, and be the highest priced uh, set of companies, but really focus on adding value to assets that we can provide creative options to and bring seasoned operators with us. Okay. And what challenges you faced in our multifamily journey so far and how did you overcome them? 
The initial days, it was just education, right? It gets so overwhelming. When you start building a new competency, you don't know where to go. And the internet and so many gurus, so many websites, so many podcasts, so many videos. And I see a lot of people still struggling with, you know, being there in every meetup and every conversation, but then not being able to take action because it just, uh, it's analysis paralysis. So for us, it was um, taking a step back, really, I had to tune out and uh, focus on defining a vision for our company and then finding a couple of mentors that allowed us to uh, really look at who can align with our vision, who can really educate us. Uh, and then just invested tens of thousands of dollars in education, uh, really committed to it. Uh, through those mentors. And eventually, at some point, you just have to take massive action, which is what we committed to. So that's been uh, our journey so far. Okay, cool. And thanks for sharing that. And your company is vertically integrated and your group is acquiring properties, uh, multiple states like Southeast side. So how is that going? And uh, can you share some advantages and disadvantages with that? Yeah, vertical integration is our goal, right? And the advantages of multiple markets and multiple asset classes along with multiple family is just flexibility, right? There's, for example, last year's hotels were the norm in terms of investments. Uh, this year, hotels are coming crashing, right? So if you just in our position, if, if you want to be the North, North, the Carolina's premier real estate investment company, you really have to have multiple tools in your arsenal. And that allows us to be very disciplined in the markets we select, but just cannot be one, just in the vicinity of where we live. And also we cannot just focus on one asset class. Tomorrow, something from a regulation standpoint or, or lending standpoint or political standpoint or macroeconomic standpoint change that should allow us to pivot uh, while continue to invest our money and other investors' capital into the right opportunity. So that, that's the main reason is that flexibility. Okay, basically you're diversifying the risk. Exactly. So what's your take on multifamily space during COVID and going forward? Yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting journey over the last few months, right? So pre-COVID, I mean, we started really focusing on multifamily as an asset just as COVID hit. So to our surprise, I mean, everything dried up. Uh, the deals dried up, the lending dried up, the opportunity that I was mentioning in Tulsa that uh, we closed uh, earlier in this month actually was under contract since April. So it took us such a long time to go back and forth in all terms of negotiations with the seller, with the, with the lending uh, brokers, etc. So it was, it was an interesting time from, from a summer standpoint. But now we're seeing completely opposite. Uh, it's just... And the opportunities are flooding our inboxes. Our acquisitions team is looking at 15 to 20 deals a week at the very least, one to right. And uh, it's great that we can pick and be very disciplined at the opportunities we are choosing. That's the current norm. And I think it's going to be able to wait and watch what happens post the elections uh, from a lending and credit standpoint. Uh, we have to wait and watch on the eviction moratorium. When that runs out, what, what what's going to happen for some of the investments that people are looking at? But uh, we are confident on the, the investments that we've taken so far. They're pretty risk averse based on the purchase price and uh, the opportunity in the sub-market. And also the flexibility, like I'd mentioned about multiple asset class, allows us to continue to grow as a company over the next few years. 
Cool. And thanks for sharing your view. And can you share your best and worst experiences in apartment side so far? Yeah, the best experience, I would say, you know, think about, I don't know how many of your listeners are real estate investors in the multifamily space, but most people, when they start with single family, they hear about this rule, 1% rule, right? Which is your ideal rent should, for an investment property, should be 1% of your purchase price to to make it a sound investment. So essentially, a $1,000 rent is okay for a $100,000 property uh, from a single family standpoint. allows you to earn decent returns that are good for a single family. So imagine, think about 3% return buying an average apartment all in for $46,000 per apartment and uh, being rented out for like $700. Now imagine buying 200 of them in the same under the same roof in the same community. Think about the scalability and the profitability of such an investment. So Tulsa, which is what we, as an asset, we closed on 1st of September was such a unicorn uh, because of the negotiated purchase price and uh, it took us a while to close the deal, but it truly our best experience because it gave us the momentum and confidence to really test our model and test our investors' returns and uh, their risk portfolio. And they've been extremely happy with it. And in the meantime, forge those partnerships uh, and friendships uh, with those operating partners that we are working with that are just going to be allowing us to do deal after deal together for the foreseeable future. So excited about that one as well. In terms of my worst moment, I mean, partnerships, when you think about the model that I have, we're be forming strategic partnerships with operating partners, et cetera, you get a mix of people, right? And one of the partners that we we found, you know, in the initial conversations talked about great vision, great values. We, we looked into a deal together. And when we went in the execution mode, some of the things that the partner was looking at didn't align with how we wanted to do business. Um, so it wasn't the worst experience because, you know, we've only done five communities and deals at this time, 760 units, but it was certainly a lesson learned to forge the right partnership, not just go about looking at investment from a financial standpoint, because you have a responsibility for your own money, which we invest in almost every deal ourselves but also a fiduciary responsibility to ensure that your brand, your credibility, and other people's money and capital invested uh, stays, is preserved, right? And continues to grow. So that was a good lesson learned in terms of partnerships and what we look for in partners going forward. Yes, that's a good advice and good. Thanks for sharing that experience. And one advice that impacted you, Heman. I think the one advice was you should rather think about 1% of 100 people's efforts than 100% of your own effort. And there was a quote that somebody read to me when I was looking at scaling and not doing everything by myself and creating a second job by having a side hustle. And that has just changed my mindset in terms of what success means for me and how I build my partnerships from a long-term vision standpoint. Cool, cool. So any of your personal habits helping you to be successful? Yeah, honoring my word. I'm very careful about commitments that I make. I don't make them lightly. And, you know, on a daily basis, I honor my word, at least try to honor my word. So allows me even for small things, like if I've said to someone, I'm going to send this to you tonight, it has to be done tonight. And that just creates a habit of excellence and consistency that just defines me in every facet of my life. 
That's uh, so powerful. Thank you. And thanks for sharing. Sure. Yeah. Any one book that impacted your life and what way? Yeah, sounds very cliche, but think and grow rich, right? So I found the book, uh, I believe last year again, after two decades, I, I read it in my high school or college days and didn't really comprehend the, the text. You know, it was quite boring to me at that stage. But this time around, when I picked it up, I was highlighting passages and lines to go back and read. And it was just so, so much of a revelation on mindsets and affirmations and, you know, masterminds and people you hang out with. There's just so much knowledge packed in one text that was written, you know, close to a hundred years before uh, that just completely changed how I think and what I seek for my journey of life. And 90% of guests refer that book. Oh, they do? Oh, that's great. Yeah. How are you giving back to community? So our company's ultimate goal is to help create a foundation that helps people in tax foreclosures. So when I was flipping houses, I really saw a lot of people in pain in the communities who might lose their house for $5,000, $10,000 in taxes owed, even if they've owned the house for 50, 60 years. And again, that positive impact related to buildings and uh, residences and communities, that's why I really would like to make impact and uh, some of the work that we're doing not only from an apartment investing standpoint but the proceeds that come out of that we would want to uh, divert those to help those that are in need and potentially losing their house cool and how can listeners can connect with you yeah so happy i'm pretty fairly active on facebook and linkedin uh, they can search my name, Hamel Badiani, and uh, also connect me at hamel at exponential-equity.com and email me. I'm happy to connect, uh, answer any questions, help out your listeners. If you're looking for specific investments in the commercial real estate space, multifamily space, or have any opportunity or discussion point or questions, I'm always and very passionate uh, to engage in any of those conversations about all things real estate so happy to stay connected with any of your listeners yeah thank you Damon. if you like the show please subscribe share rate and review and if you want to connect with me please send me a message info at ushacapital.com thank you for listening creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast i hope you learned something from the show see you in the next episode thank you any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.